You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hey, everybody. Welcome to a special afternoon edition of Wake Up With The Warriors. Maybe you're waking up from a nap or waking up in a different country, or not even waking up at all. But either way, I wanted to do a quick podcast here before Game 3 between the Warriors and the Clippers. Rather than a typical morning recap, which we will have, I wanted to make sure that we could get in a quick little preview for the game. This is primarily a little mini mailbag. We got some people to throw out some questions on the site and on Twitter. But before we get into those, um, I wanted to touch on the state of the team a tiny bit. I just got back from shoot-around at Staples Center, where Steph Curry and Steve Kerr were both available for the media. They both had, had long scrums there, and the rest of the team was finishing up their morning shoot-around, as they do before every game. And I found it interesting just to take the temperature of the team because so much discussion has been made on the internet and on Twitter regarding how much the Warriors should be panic, panicking after a disastrous end to the game on Monday where they blew a 31-point second-half lead. There's certainly a fair amount of panic from the fan base, which is understandable. You don't like to see your defending champion team do that in the first round of the playoffs against a team that, as good as the Clippers have been, represents just an enormous talent disparity. So I was curious going to shoot around to see what the attitude of the team would actually be like, whether there was a sense of urgency and perhaps even, I don't want to say panic, but you know whatever kind of precedes panic. And the answer is unequivocally no. Everyone was loose. Everyone was in an absolutely tremendous mood. Now, I'm not around the team nearly as much as the beat reporters are and a lot of other people are, but this was about as relaxed and jovial as I've seen this group of players. Kerr and Curry were both joking with media members, having a fun time. Kevin Durant looked happy, was was talking with a lot of people. They were having fun doing some drills at the end of practice. There was just a lot of really good energy. Um, it remains to be seen how that energy will manifest on the basketball court. But if you're expecting or worried that the Warriors are going to come out a little bit nervous, a little bit scared, a little bit tentative at all in Game 3 after that stunning loss, and now with a little bit of pressure to win, I would not be worried about those things. You could be worried about their play, you can be worried about their defense, you can be worried about Lou Williams. 
but I don't think it is at all warranted to be worried about the team's confidence or the team's comfort level or anything. They are they are comfortable, and they are a team that has been through this time and time again. Of course, there was the Western Conference Finals a year ago when they fell behind the Houston Rockets three games to two, had their back against the wall in two games, were losing big at halftime of both of those games. Hopefully they don't have that kind of lackadaisical approach at any point during this playoffs, but they're certainly a team that is battle-tested in situations where their back is against the wall against teams much, much, much better than the Los Angeles Clippers. So I think we're going to see a confident, comfortable, borderline cocky Warriors team that maybe feels like they have something to prove, but certainly isn't at all worried about it. So let's get to some questions now. We had a a good one on Twitter from a user who asks about kind of the public butting of heads, if you will, between Steve Kerr and Kevin Durant. Butting of heads is the wrong term, but how their opinions have at times seemed to be in contrast. There was, of course, the famous joy versus anger discussion a few months ago, and then after Monday's game, in which Durant only shot eight times, Steve Kerr said after the game that they need him to shoot 20 to 30 times. And Durant then said, no, that's not my game to shoot 20 or 30 times. I'm not going to do that. Uh, so the question is, what do we make of that? Is is this just two people with different philosophies? Has KD lost his respect for Steve Kerr? Is Steve Kerr playing mind games? What What do we make of it? I don't think there's much to make of it, to be honest. I think these are just the kinds of things that are easy to make headlines in a season like this. It's 2019. Everything is recorded. Everything is blasted across the internet, across Twitter, etc., etc. And Kevin Durant has been arguably the hottest story in the NBA this year with his impending free agency, his lack of committal to the Warriors. There have been a lot of questions, and he's been a hot topic that people just frankly love to talk about, love to dissect, love to speculate and theorize on. And so when you have these perhaps philosophies that are at odds with each other between he and Kerr, I think it tends to get completely overblown just because KD is the story and we live in a media age of being able to overblow everything. So I don't think there's anything there. And I think it's worth noting that there's been a lot of stories about Kevin Durant this season, a lot of speculation from writers and journalists and people covering the team there have been reports, rumors, theories, speculation, etc. about all kinds of things from 
the team being upset with Durant for not committing to Durant already having made plans to team up with Kyrie Irving in New York, all of this and all of that. Most likely, a lot of that is true, and a lot of it isn't quite true. But with these NBA stories, there usually is fire where there's smoke. A lot of times that fire is a lot smaller than we think it is, but usually there's at least some flame where there is smoke. So it's worth noting that despite all of these stories that we've heard about KD from from various writers and reporters and whatnot, I can't recall a single time where anyone has reported or even theorized that Kevin Durant has a problem with Steve Kerr or butts heads with Steve Kerr or doesn't like Steve Kerr. There has been zero smoke there. So I just don't think it is realistic at all that there is any fire there. I think, if anything, both of these men are incredibly smart and incredibly savvy when talking to the media and the messages that they want to convey. And each of them is aware that they kind of represent some extremes on the spectrum of basketball philosophies and compromising a tiny bit through what they say publicly is kind of a good way to publicly support the other one even if sometimes they end up overlapping in kind of odd ways so when Steve Kerr says that they need Durant to shoot 20 or 30 times is that him saying that KD needs to be aggressive or that KD let the team down by only shooting eight times on Monday? I don't think so. I think it's Steve Kerr saying, hey, Kevin Durant is arguably the greatest scorer in the history of basketball. He can shoot every damn time he touches the ball. And I don't care. That's great. And when Durant says, that's not my game, even though he's averaged almost 20 shots per game over his career and over his career with the Warriors... I think that's just him acknowledging that, hey, I respect the offensive system and philosophies that Steve Kerr has put in place. And I trust my teammates. I trust the way our team plays. And I'm not going to make this about me. He said as much at Wednesday's practice. He said, I'm not going to make the game about me. That's not his his intent. We all know what he can do. As he said, I'm Kevin Durant. You know who I am. But I think at some level, he's almost making a, a compromise through the media. Well, not a compromise so much as a show of support for what the team does and how the team operates. Steph Curry had a funny response to that today at shoot-around. Someone asked him if he needs to be more aggressive. Curry basically said, no, he doesn't need to be more aggressive. We just all need to play better. But then he smiled and said, but I think he's going to take more than eight shots. But as as many people have talked about in in the last few days, those eight shots, that's not necessarily an indictment of his aggression. 
especially since he had 12 free throw attempts. It's a matter of taking what the offense or what the defense is giving you. And you can say it didn't work on Monday. It did work on Monday. The Warriors had a tremendous offensive game on Monday. They fell apart defensively, but they have had no problems scoring. They have been an elite offensive team through two games in this series. And I think what Durant understands more this year than in his first two years with Golden State is that you cannot defend Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, and Klay Thompson. You simply can't do that. Most teams, Richard Jefferson was on on the Low Post podcast with Zach Lowe, I believe, on Wednesday. And he said that the Warriors are the only team he's ever faced where there's nothing you can do to stop them. All you can do is do your best and live with the result. But if you play perfect defense, they're still going to get a good shot. And I think Durant realizes that more this year. And we saw in the NBA Finals, both last year and in 2017, the Cavs made it a little bit more of a priority to stop Steph Curry than to stop Kevin Durant. And Durant feasted, partially, largely because he's an all-time great scorer, but also largely because Cleveland was a little bit more concerned with stopping Steph Curry. Steph Curry was happy to get the ball out of his hands and to let Kevin Durant cook. And the Clippers are making it a bigger priority to stop Kevin Durant than to stop Steph Curry. They are sending more help at Durant. They are attacking him defensively with more unique and aggressive approaches than they are with Curry. They are making him their top priority. And as a result, Steph Curry is getting better looks. And Kevin Durant is happy to feed Steph Curry those better looks because they're better looks for the team. So that was a really long way of answering this question. No, I I don't think there is anything going on between Kerr and Durant. I think there is a lot of mutual respect there. And I think when you talk as much as these players are obligated by the league to talk... Sometimes you say things about your own personal philosophies that are a little bit different than what someone else is saying, and and that's not a problem. So our next question isn't actually about this game, but looking ahead to a potential second-round matchup. This is a question through the website. asks, are the Rockets really as scary as they seem, or are the Jazz just a bunch of frauds? What can we do differently against Harden since it seems that the strategy of driving him to the right isn't working? So that's a great question. I was talking about this a fair bit on, on Twitter last night as Utah once again got just demolished by Houston. Just a completely one-sided game. The Rockets have been just eons better, light years, you might say, better than Utah through the first two games of the series and certainly looking like Houston will make it to the second round where they would face the Warriors. I think the answer to the question, are they, are they better than last year, is a little bit complicated. I think they're better than last year when facing the Utah Jazz because James Harden is somehow even better this year than he was a year ago. And against Utah, that's all they need. 
Utah's not a very good offensive team. They really, really struggle to contain James Harden. And just having Harden do his thing is more than enough. And it makes them that much more dangerous against a team that is already at a disadvantage against Houston. But I think they're a worse team against the Warriors. Because the Warriors are a lot better set to defend Harden, as we saw last year. Rudy Gobert struggles a little bit defending Harden on the perimeter. I think Gobert should easily be the defensive player of the year, but that is not the best area of his game. And James Harden is obviously a, an all-time great offensive player, so it's it's not easy for anyone. But Gobert, just with his height and his his posture, is not suited to be a great perimeter defensive player against a guy like James Harden. Kevon Looney, while obviously not the overall defensive player that Gobert is, I think does a much better job on the perimeter against Gobert. I mean, against Harden, excuse me. And the Warriors can go small, which Utah can't, because if Utah goes small, they're taking their best player off the court. The Warriors can go small and have Draymond Green at center, and then you're in a true switch everything without any consequences lineup. They have Draymond, they have Andre Iguodala, who, as we have seen and and has been borne out with the statistics, is one of the best defenders, perhaps the best defender, when it comes to guarding James Harden. So the Warriors just have more they can do to stop Harden. Not that you can stop him, but slow him down. And so it's more important for Houston to be able to beat Golden State in other ways, to have more offensive role players, which they're starting to have a little bit more with the quality of play that Daniel House Jr. has shown. But Houston also took it to Golden State a few times last year defensively. And they can't do that anymore. Trevor Ariza obviously is gone, and that was a huge part of that, a huge part of defending Kevin Durant. Chris Paul has taken a little bit of a step backwards, and that's shown defensively. He's not quite the same player. So I think they're much worse against the Warriors than they were a year ago. That's not to say that it's going to be an easy series for the Warriors, or even that the Warriors will win, uh, because there are so many variables. But I think Houston's best player got better, but their overall ability to beat you in many different ways and to function at kind of every level of the game has gotten worse. So against a good team that presents a matchup that Houston can easily exploit, such as Utah, I think they are a better team. But against a great team that's a little bit more well-rounded, like the Warriors, I, I don't think the Rockets are a better team. I think they are a worse team. As for how to defend Harden, obviously what Utah's doing, forcing him to the right, isn't working. It worked a lot better when the Milwaukee Bucks, another great defensive team, did that to Harden. The Bucks have a bit more length and a bit more switchability than, than Utah does. So they were able to pull it off a little bit better. I think for the Warriors, just switching, trusting your defenders, 
trusting that Kevon Looney, Andre Iguodala, Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, Kevin Durant can get the job done and making sure that he just has to work hard, the team is a little bit worn out, and then feast on them on the other end of the court. And I think the Warriors will be fine. So that is all that we've got here for this afternoon edition. Uh, We will obviously be back with this program with another episode of Wake Up With The Warriors recapping Game 3. That's going to come out a little bit later. Normally I try to, to publish these the night after the game, but I will be at Staples tonight covering the game in person. So I'm not going to have a chance to podcast this until Friday morning. So I apologize anyone who wanted to listen to that first thing in the morning. It's going to be a little bit later on Friday morning. Hopefully it's a good game. I think we are all tremendously excited and curious to see what the Warriors are going to do. And it should be a really, really good game. So thank you for listening. I hope the audio quality here wasn't too crazy. I am recording this at home. It's a beautiful day here in Los Angeles, and there are a lot of people screaming out by the pool. So hopefully that didn't come through too much here. And thank you for listening, everyone. We will, we will be back on Friday after Game 3.